Hey, it's Tony from Adafruit, and this is a quick look at something interesting for the Raspberry Pi 3. So just recently, they've enabled USB boot and even network boot modes with the Raspberry Pi. Uh, and that actually allows you to take like a little USB stick, you know, something like this, uh, and boot directly off of it on your Raspberry Pi, which is something that a lot of people have been interested in because if you have like a media center and you want to have, you know, a two or three terabyte hard drive loaded up with movies and running like the OpenELEC uh, media center and all kinds of fun stuff, it's a little hard to do that with an SD card. Uh, and there are all kinds of little kind of reliability issues people run into with SD cards. Like if you abruptly pull the power from the Raspberry Pi, it can corrupt the SD card really easily. Uh, and not to say that it's any better with USB drives, but um, you know maybe some of them might use different technology that's a little more resilient to that. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. And unfortunately, it hasn't been possible until now to natively boot off of USB devices uh, because basically the Pi 1 and the Pi 2, the firmware for them only supported booting off of SD cards. Now there were some workarounds and I think we even have a guide in the learning system uh, that if I remember, I'll put a link in the description below that you can check out where you can actually put a file system on an external hard drive and then you have a little SD card image that boots up the Pi and then switches to that file system on the external drive. So, you know, you're still depending on the SD card boot at that point. But now the cool thing is you can actually natively boot off of USB sticks uh, and even network devices. But in this video, I'm just gonna look at the USB booting uh, thing. So let's jump in real fast to the main view here. So let's turn everything on and I'll show you what I've got. So right here is the Raspberry Pi 3 and then right here is a little USB stick that we're gonna use. And then this web page, and I'll put a link when this goes up on YouTube in the description below, you'll want to check this out. So this is basically the blog post that came out just a few days ago from the Raspberry Pi Foundation. And it talks about uh, the new additions to this USB mass storage boot. And they call it beta, so it's kind of new. And I'll go through the process in this quick look. We'll see how to turn this on and enable it uh, and how it works. But you do have to use like a kind of cutting edge firmware or like the kind of in development firmware for this. So, you know, just be aware it's maybe not completely ready for prime time, but I tried it and it worked, so it's at least worth uh, investigating. Now the blog post is great. It goes into all these kind of details. It's like an FAQ. It mentions, you know, frequently asked questions, goes into all of them. Uh, you definitely want to read this. Few things to realize with this. Um, they've kind of mentioned, they've noticed some flash sticks, you know, USB drives behave uh, not very well, like they're slow to turn on. Uh, so they might not be able to boot from the Pi. So just be aware. They list like SanDisk and Samsung drives as good ones. I have a Lexar drive. This is a little eight gigabyte one that I found, I think at like a Target or something for like 10 bucks. Uh, and this worked fine. So I didn't have any problems with this Lexar one. So that seems okay. I have a feeling if you're using like a name brand drive, it's probably gonna work, but it's worth a shot. You give it a try. Uh, it does also say, you know, well, could I use a Pi 1 or a Pi 2? And no, you can't because it's actually the firmware written into the, the chips on the Raspberry Pi 3 that had to explicitly add this support. And the funny thing is, the support is in the Pi 3 right now. It's just you have to turn on a special little flag in this one-time programmable bit of memory to actually enable the USB boot. So I think when they designed the Pi 3, it sounds like they knew they wanted to add this capability, but it probably wasn't ready initially when they shipped it. So they said, you know, we're just gonna put a flag behind it to turn it on or off. And then now they've probably been able to do some more testing and see, okay, yeah, this works and, and other people can try it. Uh, so that's something to realize. The other thing about this post, unfortunately, it kind of buries the lead a little bit in that um, it, it doesn't 
like the link that you want to follow to figure out how to do this is down here. This last little link here, they have a little tutorial that they link to and it's right here. And I'll put a link in the description below when this goes up on YouTube. This is the page you want to look at to figure out how to make USB mass storage booting work because uh, they, they mention uh, network booting as another option and maybe in a later quick look, we'll look at that option. Uh, but if you follow the instructions for network booting, it's not going to get you all the way for USB booting. So you really want to follow these instructions because I tried it and I thought I was being smarter than you know the, the guide. And so I thought, oh, well, I just do these steps. And then I took my USB stick and I copied a just a stock Raspbian image to the USB stick and I plugged it in and I thought, oh, you know, maybe this will boot up. And no, it didn't boot up. There's actually some special steps you need to do, which makes sense once you see them. So this guide tells you the special steps. The way this is gonna work, so my Pi, it's actually booted right now off the SD drive. I have the Raspbian Jesse Lite operating system loaded on it. The way it works, you have to boot up with the SD card first because you need to do this special step to enable the USB booting. You have to load the latest firmware, this beta firmware, uh, run a special command or actually put it in a special mode where it enables it. And then once it's booted, then you're actually gonna plug your USB stick into the Pi and we're gonna set up the USB stick manually to boot the Raspberry Pi because there's some certain steps you have to do. Like you need to set up the root file system on here and it needs to have that beta firmware and it needs to have some special uh, kernel command line options that say to boot from the USB drive. So you can't just take a Raspbian image from the internet and like load it up on a, a USB stick. You can't take like, you know, an open elect image or a, um, what's the arcade, you know, uh, you can't just take any random Raspberry Pi image, unfortunately, and copy it on a USB stick and expect it to work. Um, I would hope and probably over time, maybe people will offer like, here's a download of open elect or whatever that's, you know, for USB sticks. And then here's a download for like SD card images, or maybe eventually someone could make a tool that just takes a Raspberry Pi stick image or Raspberry Pi OS image and modifies it so that it works off of a USB stick because there is some, uh, you know, some setup that you have to do. And I know as we go through the steps, I'll show you exactly, you know, why you have to do this stuff. But let's just kind of get started following this guide. So it mentions, uh, you know, you have to boot up Raspbian and you have to do these special commands right here to use the RPI update command. And it's this branch equals next that's the magic thing. This is an environment variable. When you have this set and you run RPI update, it's gonna update the firmware with their kind of beta or in testing firmware. So let's go through. So I've just, my Pi, it's running. I've just loaded the latest Raspbian Jesse Lite image. Um, I'd suggest using the Lite image if you can because during this process, you're gonna have to copy the Pi file system from the SD card to your USB stick. And the full size image is pretty big these days. It's like five or six gigabytes. And for most USB sticks, they're pretty slow. So it can take like 30 or 40 minutes to copy that thing. So the light image is way smaller. So if you don't need the desktop, use the light image. Uh, so I'm loaded, I'm just connected with SSH right now. And I'm gonna run the raspi config command because I haven't expiled, uh, expanded the file system. So I'm gonna expand the file system. You know, that's like the step one when you boot up the Raspberry Pi. And then you have to reboot after this. So we'll give it a second. Uh, because what this is doing when it gets burned to the image, uh, when it gets burned to your SD card, 
Uh, it just starts out with a really small file system because it doesn't know like, is your SD card a you know two gigabyte card? Is it a 32 gigabyte card? Uh, and you don't want to like download like a 32 gigabyte image that's mostly you know zero or junk data. So it starts with an, an initial small image, and then when you run that resize command, it resizes the partition to be the size of the SD card that you loaded it on. Uh, so that's what's happening there, and it's a pretty quick process. So it just has to reboot. And then uh, we should hopefully be able to SSH back in. There we go. Uh, oops, I just misspelled the password. Oh, uh, it didn't. I fixed it. Okay, there we go. Uh, so, okay, so now we're booted in and now we can start following these steps. So the first thing you need to do is uh, we're going to run, how about the update and install RPI update. So there's two commands. They're just putting it on one line. apt-get update updates your packages. apt-get install is going to install the RPI update tool. Um, you don't need to do this on the normal Raspbian image because it comes with the RPI update installed automatically. Uh, but I guess on the light image, it doesn't come with RPI update. So we're going to have to install it real quick. Uh, and hopefully this shouldn't take too long. It's a pretty reasonably quick process for this. Uh, maybe while we're waiting, I'll look and see. Uh, I meant to look uh, Adafruit USB Pi Boot Guide. Let's see if I can find the guide we had. Yeah, here we go. Using an external drive. Uh, Brennan, I think, wrote this uh, as a tutorial. Uh, yeah, a little ways back. And this is actually a pretty popular tutorial because so this is the old guide I was mentioning where it is possible to boot off of a USB drive from any Raspberry Pi today. Uh, but the way this works is you have to have a little SD card image that boots up and then switches control to the file system on your hard drive here. So, you know, it's it works, it's fine. It's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you do have to have that SD card and, you know, maybe you are kind of relying on the reliability of that SD card um, and things like that. So that this it's nice to have at least as an option. And if you can't get USB to work, uh, USB native boot to work, then this could be a good fallback for you. Uh, and I'll put a link below in the description for this guide. Uh, okay, so that command finished. And then let's go back and see. Now this is the next command. So this sudo branch equals next RPI update. So let's run this. And now one thing, so I've already done this change to this Raspberry Pi. Um, so I don't technically need to do this again because ultimately all we need to do is get this beta firmware. And then I'll show you the next step. The next step is we're gonna add this program USB boot mode equals one to the boot config. And then we're gonna reboot the Pi. And that's this little magic mode that the Pi is then gonna program this one-time programmable uh, place in memory. So it's like, some memory where I'm, I guess they put like some real critical firmware settings and things and who knows what other stuff is hidden in there. That might be kind of fun to hack on this stuff someday and just start flipping bits. I mean, you could break your pie, so don't do it. Uh, but you never know what they've hidden in there still uh, behind some flags. But like it says, it's one time programmable. So it's like once you flip that switch, it's on forever for the pie. Uh, and so they kind of show after you set this and reboot your pie, you can actually see the value of that one time programmable memory. Um, interesting that there's this vcg gen command otp dump command might be kind of fun sometime to look and see like what else is in that otp memory that uh you know they aren't telling us about there could be uh you know maybe the ark of the covenant the, the secrets you know the map to find it could be buried in the raspberry pi firmware as far as we know uh so okay that's that's what we're going to do here and this is just doing this firmware update um from what i understand the firmware update is literally just downloading 
in the slash boot directory, there's like a firmware.bin file, I think is what it's called. And so this is just downloading like this, or no, sorry, it's the start.elf and I guess the bootcode.bin and maybe there's other stuff in there. But I think that that's all that this RPI command does is just downloads those new files and puts them in your boot directory. Um, okay, so then it's saying a reboot is required, but it's not really necessary at this point. We're just gonna move on and do the next command. So this command is gonna add a line to this bootconfig.txt because the bootconfig.txt is when the Pi boots up, it looks at that config.txt for certain configuration on like how it should boot. Uh, so some real kind of critical stuff happens inside of there. So we'll just run this command. This is gonna add uh, a line to that file. Oops, so now I'm gonna do that. And if I cat that file out, if I show the contents of bootconfig.txt, you can see here's at the bottom, program USB boot mode equals one. Uh, okay, so then at this point you reboot the Pi. So we'll sudo reboot. And I hope this works because like I said, I already flipped the switch. I've done this once on this Pi. So it's already programmed. I would hope that it's smart enough that you know it's gonna try to reprogram it and probably see that that one-time uh, programmable memory is already programmed. Hopefully it handles that error well and doesn't just like lock up the Pi. I, I'm assuming that they cover that, uh, that case in their, their testing here. So let's see what happens here. Uh, we'll see if, if it's finished booting yet. I think it's, um, I'm looking at the, the light right here, the little green light. And usually when it's on uh, or when it kind of flashes periodically, then it's finished booting. So we'll see, um, give it a moment here. And again, I'm using the Jesse light image. So I don't have like the full desktop, uh, you know, video output. Okay, so we're booted up uh, and we're back in and nothing should really look different. You know, it's, you've just flipped this little switch that changed that little bit of memory, but they do actually show you, you can verify that it was changed. So if you run this command, uh, then this is gonna show you the value of this uh, one-time programmable bit of memory. So it looks like, you know, we're getting the value 302000A and it says we should see 302000A. So that looks good. So this is flipped on and You know, I'm just curious, let's just see what happens when I run vcgen command otp dump. You know, what else is in this memory? Okay, so this is kind of cool. So, okay, let's see. So there are 66 little words of memory, it looks like. Uh, and I'm guessing, let's see, these are all hex characters. So there's like one, two, three, four. Okay, so there's like, you know, 32 bits for each of these words. So this might be kind of neat sometime to look and see. So it looks like, you know, the 17 somewhere in here is this magic bit that they enabled, you know. What happens if you flip other bits in here, I wonder? Um, don't do it because you could damage your pie. And I don't even know. Let's just see if this VC gen command, is there a uh, is there a way to write to that memory? I, I, would, I bet there is. Let's see if there's any. Oh, this is, oh, they don't even have help here. So I don't know. I'm sure that there's a VC gen command somewhere that lets you write to this memory. So it makes me wonder, you know, like what is this nine DAA at the end here? Uh, might be kind of fun to investigate this later and see. Anyways, uh, that's uh, a whole side tangent to look at. Okay, then the last thing is um, you can remove this program USB boot mode uh, from the boot config text. So let's go to sudo nano boot config.txt. I guess they say you don't have to remove this, um, but I'm just gonna remove it because I don't really need it anymore. Like, because what happens, you know, you put this command in there, you reboot, and then on boot, I think it sees that you have this command and then it does that little flash, uh, like it twiddles that little bit somewhere that says, okay, enable this new boot mode. So, okay, so I do that. And then um, let's just reboot again to make sure that now it's running without that program boot mode um, enabled again. 
And so while we wait for that, the next step is we're gonna reload it. And then at this point, I thought I was smarter than the guides. And I went off and I burned a Raspbian image to a USB stick. I just used the DD command on Mac OS X and, uh, and you know, copied it over and, and just plugged it in and thought that it would boot. And it doesn't work that way. So you'll see why when we run these commands because stuff like that boot config.txt right now is written explicitly to say to boot from the SD card, like the slash dev mmclkpo one or whatever uh, file uh, or uh, I guess device. And so that's not gonna work because your USB stick gets mounted as like a dev SDA one uh, device. So, you know, unfortunately just the way the Raspbian images are today, they're really made to boot only from the SD card. Uh, and not from a USB drive. But if you follow this little guide, then it shows you how to modify an image to make this work. Uh, okay, so we're booted up, everything seems good. I'm gonna plug in the USB stick now to the Pi, so we get that in. And then after a second, it should get mounted. So if I look at the SD star devices, so yeah, SDA is this USB stick, and then SDA1 and SDA2 are the two partitions that are on it right now. Um, okay, so let's just go in here and they talk about, we're gonna use the parted uh, partition editor because this is kind of neat, this guide. It actually shows you how to build a Raspberry Pi bootable file system from scratch. So if you've, ever, if you've never done that, it's, it's kind of neat to go through these steps here. So I'll maybe slide this out of the way a little bit so we can just see it and then have the, uh, the console right next to it. So we're gonna run sudo parted dev SDA. So that's gonna basically run the parted editor against the USB drive that's loaded there. Uh, and then we're gonna run this make table ms-dos command. So I'm, I, from what I understand, I think this is just going to uh, add a file system table or like a, I, I don't even know the proper name, but it's gonna make this look like a, you know, a DOS bootable drive, I'm assuming for this. So, okay, and it's gonna ask you, you're gonna wipe out this drive. So just be careful, you're gonna lose all the data on here. Um, yes, I do wanna continue. Uh, okay, so did that. And then we're gonna run this make part primary FAT32 0% 100 megabytes. So this is cool. This is where we're starting to create the Raspberry Pi bootable file system because the Raspberry Pi expects to see the very first partition as a FAT32, which is like the Windows, early Windows DOS kind of file system. It expects to see that because that's where it's gonna find the firmware and the kernel and stuff that it loads from. Um, and then after that, you can have whatever Linux file system you want, but you need this little 100 megabyte, and I don't even know if it has to be 100 megabytes, uh, but you need this little FAT32 file system there. So that's what that command does. And then the next command, we're gonna make a, an ext4, which is just like a the modern kind of Linux file system. Uh, we're gonna make a partition for that that starts after 100 megabytes and then fills up the rest of the, the size of the USB stick. So we do that. And then they say you can use the print command and this just shows, yeah, you know, this is the USB drive and then here's the two partitions that we've created here. So that seems all good. Um, and then they don't mention it in the guide, but at this point you're supposed to quit out of the parted editor. Uh, you're done with it. So we just say quit. Um, and now we need to run a few more things because we've created the partitions, but they're empty. They don't have actual file systems on them yet. And so that's what these commands here do, this make file system vfat um, n boot f32. So let's run this command. What this is doing is this is making a, uh, a fat or it's like the, I guess this is the current fat file system because there's been like fat 16, fat 32. So this is making a fat file system 
on that dev SD1 partition because basically these two partitions that were created here, uh, those are now dev SD, like this number one is dev SDA1 and number two is dev SDA2. So this command is like initializing that fat file system on the partition that was just created. So I'm gonna run that and it's a pretty quick little command. And then the next command does the exact same thing, but for the ext4 file system. So this is just taking that dev sda2, which was everything after that first 100 megabytes, and just making an ext4 file system. Um, oh, this is kind of warning me that, hey, you've already got an ext4 file system. That's because I already did this on this drive. Uh, so that's kind of nice, it warns you, but yep, proceed anyway, blow it away. Uh, and so this one's a little more advanced because uh, the ext4 file system is more advanced in general, like it's, uh, I think it does journaling and things where it can be smart about like if it gets corrupted, it doesn't necessarily lose like everything. It, it might only lose like a little bit of data for it. So, you know, over time, file systems get a little bit smarter and, and better about how they do things. So, okay, so this is uh, hopefully gonna finish here in a second. You can see actually the drive, it's uh, flashing little red lights. So that's just telling me that it's writing a bunch of data. Uh, so unfortunately, you know, USB drives can be a little bit slow. So some things take some time. Okay, so that's done. So that's easy. Now the next step is where it starts to get kind of interesting. So the way that this works now, we're actually going to copy everything from the SD card onto the USB stick because we're just gonna basically clone the whole file system on the Raspberry Pi onto the USB stick. So that's gonna do a few things for us. It's gonna get us that beta firmware, like the RPI update command that we downloaded that firmware for, that's gonna get cop copied over. So, I, and I think that you really need that. Um, and then it's gonna give us the whole Raspbian and Jesse Lite file system that we had also. So that's gonna you know, give us everything uh, that we expected for this. So these commands here, let's just start running through some of these. Uh, basically, they're gonna, you're gonna make a directory to mount uh, the two file systems. So, you know, these two commands just created those file systems, but I can't access them yet because I haven't mounted them onto my Raspberry Pi's file system. So this command makes a location under mount called target. It could be called anything. And we're gonna mount the, uh, the ext4 file system. So see the sudo mount sda2 when I run this command, this is gonna mount the dev sda2 device, which was that ext4 file system. It's gonna mount it under this mount target location. So at this point, I can actually go into mount target and ls and see, uh, like there's nothing in here yet, but this is a real file system. I could start copying files and stuff in here if I wanted, uh, but I'm gonna go back to my home directory. And then the same thing is done for the boot directory, but it's just, they put this under the target folder that was created before. So we create a new folder for that and then we mount that first partition, that little fat file system under the boot folder here. So we do that. And then at this point, they have you uh, install rsync. So I'm gonna do that. They also have you update, but I already did that earlier, so I don't need to do it. So rsync is just a really nice, uh, I mean, it's to call it a copy utility is maybe not really giving it enough credit. It, it, it synchronizes two folders. So if you have a bunch of files and a whole hierarchy of files in one folder and you wanna copy those into another location, rsync is really smart about looking at, okay, what is exactly different between these two locations and like only copying over the changed files. Uh, but it's also just a good batch copy file or copy system. And it's really smart in that it will retry, I think it retries things if I remember correctly, or maybe there are magic options you have to do to enable it. But basically if, if you ever try to copy like a big directory structure, 
you'll sometimes run into problems where it just fails halfway through. It's like some little error came up and you have to start the whole process over. And so that's why usually you want to use something like rsync when you do that, because it's smart enough to know that, okay, you know, I got halfway through and then I crashed and now I'm being run again. And I realized like, I don't need to recopy over all those other things that I copied before. Let's just start where I, uh, where I left off there. So very handy tool. Um, you know, I've, I, I don't really know all the details about how to use it, but I know that it's like the Swiss army knife of copying files around. So we're going to install that. And then this next command here is, um, Basically, this is going to copy everything from slash and slash boot because on my Raspberry Pi right now, um, you know, my, my root file system is still on the SD card. So we're going to copy everything from the root and from the slash boot folder into this mount target location that we had that we created above and that we mounted our USB drive into. So this, this command is basically copying your SD card file system onto your USB drive file system. So let's go ahead and do that. So we'll run this. Um, and hopefully this doesn't take as long. This took about 30 minutes when I did this for the, uh, the full Jesse image. So I just switched to the Jesse light image. Um, so hopefully this will finish a lot faster. Jesse light is like only 200 or 300 megabytes versus like four gigabytes or so for the, the full Jesse image. And so you can see that the flash drive is flashing. Like, you know, there's all kinds of stuff being thrown onto it. Um, but this is, you know, pretty straightforward as far as what's happening. You know, we're just copying files basically here. So, and again, it's kind of cool because I haven't gone through this process myself yet of like building up the Pi file system from scratch. So it's kind of neat to be able to do that um, and see kind of how it works here. And then after this, it's actually even more interesting. Um, once we've copied the files over this next set of commands, what we're going to do is we're actually going to use this ch root or change root command to like basically open a shell inside of the Linux file system that's now on our USB stick. Almost like, you know, we're running the Raspberry Pi operating system on this USB stick, but while we're still running the Pi off of our SD card. Uh, and the reason we do that is they have you regenerate these SSH keys. And so you need to run like a special open SSH command to do that but you want to do it in the context of the file system on your USB stick, not on the SD card for this. So kind of cool. We'll get to see how to do this. Um, this change root is like a really powerful thing. In some ways, this is kind of like the basis of if you ever use like containers and Docker and some of those systems where it's like you run a Linux system inside of another Linux system, it all kind of comes back to this basic idea of this change root and like Docker and stuff is way more advanced than that it, knows how to like isolate this like other Linux file system from your real file system. And it knows, you know, maybe how to more concretely separate out, you know, like what's, what things can access inside of your little virtual, because it, it, it's, it's not a virtual machine, you know, it's not like we're emulating the Pi CPU and running it, you know, separately from the Pi. We're still using the same Pi CPU. We're just doing some trickery to say, you know, hey, before you were looking at your root file system on the SD card, but now your root file system is from this other location on a USB stick. And so the Linux kernel and stuff, it's gonna run the same. It's, you know, it can do everything it could on the SD card. It's just gonna do stuff with the files on the USB stick instead of on your SD card. So 
kind of cool thing uh, to, to deal with. Like it's something coming from a Windows world, you know, I, I don't think that we ever had any concept in Windows of, you know, changing into another Windows instance inside of it. I, I think they're working on stuff like that these days, at least with like native Docker support. So maybe one day you'll be able to do this in Windows. But for now, when I remember when I, you know, kind of learned about this in the Linux world, it's like, wow, that is a, it's a wacky thing where you don't really initially think of why this would be useful. Uh, but then there are cases like this where it turns out it can be kind of handy to, to have the ability to do this. So, okay, so we're still copying some files here. This is, uh, you can see as it goes. So this is copying the user lib, ARM Linux, GNU, ABI, HF. I think these are all like of the basic C libraries that everything uses. These are like DLL files in the Linux world. So you can see like libgthread, that's probably something for... Um, what is that thing called? Uh, Gnome, you know, like the, the Gnome world. This is probably stuff for them. Uh, let's see, libjpg, obviously JPEG stuff. Uh, libmpc, so I guess you can kind of tell how, how, how far it's getting down alphabetically uh, for this. So, and you can see, unfortunately, this is kind of slow. Like this is going like 200 kilobytes per second. So again, this has to copy to your USB stick. Um, and the annoying thing is when you're copying a lot of small files, that's actually pretty slow versus copying like one really big file because like you're constantly, you know, just reading a small file. It's not big enough to like throw into a buffer. It has to get written to the drive. And then as soon as it's done writing it, you go on to the next small file. You know, whereas if you have one big file, you load that file to memory, you've got a bunch of buffers where you're just pulling a chunk of data, writing it to the USB drive. So because you've got all this buffering, things can be a little bit faster. But you know, like like notice here when it was copying the CC1, that's the uh, GNU C++ compiler. You know, it was able to get up to a couple megabytes per second of transfer just because it was a large file. It was able to grab some big chunks and start throwing it there. Whereas all these other little files, you know, they're they're a lot smaller to copy. So something that just intuitively didn't make a lot of sense for me when I first you know started seeing this. So unfortunately, this is kind of like a worst case scenario where we've got a ton of small files in our file system, and so we're just copying all these little things over. Um, you know, it'd be nice if we could do this like just in one big kind of chunk, but we're just going a file at a time here for it. So I think we're getting close though. X11, this is all desktop stuff, which the um, Raspbian Jesse Lite doesn't have a lot of, so there's not much here. GCC 4.9, interesting that they're using 4.9. That's like the latest version, I think, of GCC. So we're pretty cutting edge now. That's kind of cool. At least I think it is. Let's, let's go and see. Let's see, GCC. What is the latest version? Uh, which kind of cool, related to GCC, when I was at the Hope Convention, uh, or conference uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Richard Stallman had a talk, and I, I saw it briefly. Uh, and so he's kind of the, um, uh, I don't know if he's the creator of GCC, but he definitely maintains it, uh, and is, you know, big voice in the free software world. So it's kind of cool to see that, but, you know, it's funny to step back and think, like, how much of the world revolves around free software and GCC specifically, like, you know, Arduino, if you're programming an Arduino, you might not know it, but you're using GCC. There's a, you know, version of GCC that, that, that Arduino uses uh, to program their board. So, okay, looks like they're up to version 5.4. Wow, I wonder what's new in that. Let's see, uh, what are the changes? So the default for C is now standard GNU 11. Interesting, instead of uh, standard GNU 89. So. This is, and I, I, I should know more about this, but the C language has had a couple standards. And like, uh, you know, 1989, I think it was like the previous update before uh, 2011, they updated it. Um, the one thing that I know is different in the 2011 standard, 
I don't think you have to initialize variables or declare variables at the top of functions anymore in the 2011 C standard, which for a lot of C programmers, like their head explodes at that point. Like what? <laughs> that's that's C++, that's not C, but it is possible now. And that's funny in, in 5.4, if that's the default now, uh, C programmers are gonna be in for some fun here. So, okay, here we go. We're uh, copying the swap file. That's like, um, it's a little in-memory kind of cache, uh, like when you're swapping out your RAM to disk, uh, that's what that file is. And they're kind of large files, so you can notice that one actually got some good speed for copying it. I think we're getting close. The slash var directory is getting down there. I don't think there's much after slash var to copy, so we'll let it finish its things here. So um, let's see, what are the other changes in GCC 5.4? So. C++ runtime uses a new ABI by default. It's interesting. So ABI is your application binary interface. It's how like uh, you know a function can call another function from a different DLL uh, because it knows okay you know this is how parameters are um, encoded into bytes and things like that and how to set up the stack and stuff like that. I, I should know more about it, but I don't. Um, so you know I don't want to speak too much about it, but that's kind of interesting. Um, it's always just kind of fascinating though, just see like, you know, what are the new things that are happening in the compiler world here? Like it looks like, um, oh wow, okay, so here's C++ changes. So G++ now supports C++ 14 variable templates. This is kind of cool. So in later revisions of the C++ standard, you can actually define a class, a template class that takes a variable number of template parameters. Uh, I don't personally know of any use cases for that, but I'm sure there are good reasons for it. Um, so, you know, it's always cool to see what's what's coming and what's down the pipeline. Okay, I think we're done here. We've got the rsync command finished. So let's go back and see what's the next thing. Okay, so now we need to regenerate these SSH keys. We're gonna do that by, you know, doing this change root magic. So let's just start running the commands they show. So we're gonna change into that mounted file system. So now if I look at this file system, it looks just like my slash, you know, my root file system on the Pi. And it should because we copied everything over directly. So that looks all good. Uh, and then we're gonna run these mount commands because, you know, in addition to the file system, there are other things in my root, um, you know, like the dev tree that we need to fill in. And so what we're gonna do, these mount commands basically say, okay, take slash dev on my currently running machine and mount it under the dev folder in this mount target directory. So it's just kind of like, you know, copying that dev file system. And the dev file system, I think, is the kernels kind of, or no, sorry, that's where all of your hardware information is at. So the dev file system has like, you know, everything connected to your Pi is gonna be under a node under slash dev. Like if I look at slash dev, you know, this has all, the, like here the, you know, serial ports and like disks, FB, that's the HDMI output, the frame buffer, everything under there is there. So uh, these MMC, this is the SD card itself. So this is kind of like all the devices and things are under this. Uh, okay, so we ran that mount command. Uh, we just did, I think I just did the sys command. Did I do that sys command? Um, no, I, yeah, I did, okay. So that just mounted the sys command or the sys uh, file system under there. And then same thing for the proc file system which I think the proc file system is uh, where you have a lot of like info about the currently running Linux system. Like I, I remember the CPU info one is kind of an interesting one. If you cat that file, uh, CPU info, 
then this gives you a good dump of like the CPUs on your machine. So you can see this is a Raspberry Pi 3 because it has four cores and it actually tells you like, here's the architecture of the cores, here are different features that are supported. And you can actually see this is where they put in like the revision and stuff for the Raspberry Pi. So if you ever need to get this info, it's under that part. Anyways though, uh, okay, so now we're ready to run this change root command. So here's the magic. Get ready, this is some inception level stuff because we're about to enter a Linux system inside of our Linux system. So, you know, and if you were really crazy, I bet you could change root inside of this system into another Linux system. So, you know, how far deep down can you go? And, uh, you know, and now at this point, time slows down. So every second that I spend in the, uh, this file system is like, you know, a year in the, uh, the other file system. So uh, get a drink. This is going to be a long stream at this point now. <laughs> so, all right, we're in our target file system. Um, and now what we're going to do, uh, it's kind of funny, you know, we go through this whole change root thing just to regenerate these SSH keys, um, which honestly, I don't even know why we need to do this. Um, I'm guessing so that when you SSH into the Pi again, it, your, your SSH won't be confused because it's going to have new keys. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to do it just because they put it in the steps and, you know, let's follow it. It's not hard. So we remove the old keys and then we run this dpackage reconfigure open SSH server command. So this is going to regenerate the keys. And so the whole reason why we had to do this change root is because if I ran this command without doing change root, it's going to do that for the SD card and not for the USB stick because it's going to go and access, you know, everything under my root file system but my root file system was still the SD card. And so that change root command changed my root file system, or at least how my root file system appears to all the programs that I run so that it's now the one on the USB stick. Uh, so that's why we had to do that. And then at this point we're done. We, we exit out of our, our change roots and then they do a little bit of cleanup here. So we unmount the dev, the sys and the proc file systems uh, that we'd mounted before. So let's un unmount that, sys and then proc. And then at this point, um, we need to do a few more things. So this is kind of one magic step. So if we look at the boot uh, command line.txt file, and this is the boot folder inside of this target folder, which is from our USB stick. So this is the command line.txt from our USB drive. Notice right now it says my root is under slash dev mmc blk, BLK op2. So that's the MMC device, which is the SD card. And so that's the magic thing, like why you can't just take a Raspbian image on raspberrypi.org and expect it to work on a USB stick. Because by default, it's saying, I'm gonna boot from the SD drive, whereas my USB stick, remember, is the dev SDA uh, device, uh, SDA1 actually for that uh, kind of fat file system. So that's actually what these next two commands will do. They use the sed command, which lets you kind of like find and replace text inside of a file. So we're basically just replacing this MMC BLKOP2 with uh, this devSDA2 inside of that command line. So let's, let's run this command and then let's look and see how it changed that file. So now if I cat this out, so now you can see root equals devSDA2 instead of that MMC device here. So very important uh, little change that, that we had to make there for that. And then same thing you have to do for this Etsy fstab uh, file, which is kind of your, this says which file systems to load. So if I look at the contents of that right now, um, you can see it says, okay, on boot, uh, mount dev mmc blk 
op1 under slash boot and then p2 under slash so let's run this command that they mentioned here and then let's see how it changes this file here so we do that and then i run this command uh and uh oh nothing changed uh that's or did something change uh that's kind of interesting i would have expected that to change uh i don't know i'm gonna keep rolling with this i because i ran this command before and it worked but i would have thought that this would have changed the uh etsy f stab for that oh sorry i'm catting out uh my so again i just made the classic mistake I'm looking at the SD card fstab, uh, which that's a funny name. I'm, I guess file system table is what it stands for. So I, let's, I'm going to keep calling it fstab. Uh, when in reality, I need to look at the one on my USB stick, which is under Etsy fstab. So Etsy relative to this mount target location here. So hey, there we go. So I look at that and now we see now it's dev sda1 and dev sda2. So that looks good. Um, okay, so now we can unmount uh, all of this stuff that we had. So let's go back to our home and then we will unmount the target boot directory that we'd mounted before. So we're basically just unmounting the USB stick at this point. And then let's unmount the target folder here. And then we're gonna power off the Pi. Uh, we're gonna shut it down. So sudo power off, which I didn't know that this was a command, but this is this seems like a handy command. I usually do sudo shutdown dash h now. Dash h means halt, and now says do it now. Uh, I guess power off is just a quick little easy way to do that yourself. So, okay, the Pi is, uh, I think it's all powered off. The green light's solidly lit. So we're gonna unplug it, and now the moment of truth, I am pulling out the SD card. So. There is no SD card on this Raspberry Pi. There is only this USB stick that I've prepared here. So if you tried this with a Pi 1 or 2 or 0 or whatever, it's not going to work. But let's see what happens. I'm going to plug in the power and we'll just watch this and cross our fingers because it worked once, but uh, I'm hoping that it works again with the, the Jesse light image. Oh, look at this. We see some light flashing there. It's accessing the USB drive. So that's a good sign. And then after a moment, so I don't see any green flashes yet because the green flashes are kind of like when it's booting up and going through the process. Because remember, you know, your USB drives might be kind of slow. And even if you have a fancy, you know, USB 3 drive, uh, the, the Pi itself is only USB 2. So you're only going to get so much speed out of it. But this is looking good. I'm seeing some green flashes. I'm seeing it reading the, the drive more. So that seems like a good sign. Let's see if we can SSH into our Raspberry Pi. Because remember, you know, there is no SD card on here. There's, you know, nothing. I'm not, not doing any trickery here. Uh, so we'll give this a moment and we'll see if it's finished booting up and if we can get in and actually look at the Pi uh, and, and access it. So, uh, hey, look at this. So we'll say Raspberry. And hey, I am in my Raspberry Pi with no SD card connected at all. Like it's purely booted off of this little USB stick right here. So, you know, this is this is a real Raspberry Pi. Uh, there's nothing uh, fancy about it. Um, let's see, I guess if I look at, uh, let's cat Etsy fstab. Uh, so you can see like here's that file system table and we've got the dev SDA one. I guess if I look at uh, dev, do I have any MMC devices? Yeah, notice this. So I don't have an SD card plugged in, so there is no MMC device in my file system, which makes sense because I'm booted off the USB stick. Uh, so that's kind of cool in that, 
you know, maybe one use case of this would be like if you needed a Raspberry Pi that could read and write SD cards and you didn't want to have a USB SD stick reader, I probably could, in theory, plug something in here and then, you know, read and write it from the Pi that's booted off the USB stick. Now, I don't know if when it boots up, if it's going to look at the SD drive first and see that it's not some bootable thing and then fail or if it falls back to the USB stick, but I don't know, well, worth experimenting with to see. Um, so anyways, that's all I wanted to show in this video. You know, it works. Um, you can boot off of a USB drive only for the Raspberry Pi 3 and you have to follow these commands that they have here. So you have to mount your USB drive and do some of these modifications. Uh, you cannot just download a Raspbian image and throw it on a USB stick and expect it to work. Maybe in the future, I'm hoping that they'll just provide like ready to go. Here is a USB bootable image that's got this configuration done to it. Uh, but for now, you've got to do this as like a one-time setup and you should be uh, all ready to go for this. So. Uh, okay, so if there are questions, maybe throw them into the chat uh, and we'll jump into the main view and see if we can get to them. Uh, but otherwise, I think that's probably it. So, uh, and apologies if the video gets stuttery. I'm still troubleshooting some Wireshark things. Uh, Wire, Wirecast, uh, Wireshark is a network monitoring tool. Uh, so for some reason, even though the CPU usage isn't bad, it just, when I go back to this view, it hates it and it stutters a lot. So at some point I'll fix this. Uh, so, okay, yeah, people were saying, oh, FYI, my password is Raspberry. Yes, uh, I, I will tell the internet my, my password is Raspberry uh, because that's the stock one for Raspbian. So, uh, yeah, lots of lots of love for Unix tools, it looks like. So, uh, so yeah, it looks like, uh, how does this impact the apt-get process of keeping the system up to date? Um, it shouldn't impact it. So, I don't know, let's try it and see. If I go back to my Pi and run sudo apt-get update, this should work now. Yeah, and you can see like how the drive is. Oh, let me jump back uh, to the main view real fast. Uh, so I'm running apt get update and you can see my USB drive uh, as it was downloading, it was flashing a lot. So it is one thing to realize like, you know, when you're running off this USB stick, if it's a slow USB stick or a bad one or something, you know, that's going to slow down your whole system. Uh, and conversely, if it's a fast one or whatever, maybe it might speed things up a little bit, but I doubt it because, you know, again, it's a USB 2 connection. Uh, but it looks like apt-get and all that stuff is fine. Like, as far as I can tell, like, everything should just work. Uh, the, you know, the same as it would on your uh, SD card. The difference is though, just remember, like you don't have that dev MMC device anymore. So if there was some software that was written to explicitly expect that there was a dev MMC device, like an SD card, then it's gonna fail because it needs to know that it's actually dev SDA1 uh, that you're connected to here. So, you know, just be aware of that. So, but yeah, it looks like that stuff should work here, so. Uh, and like I mentioned too, the, this is not the end of uh, all the cool stuff they added. So there was a post a few days later where you can actually boot off of the network. And so they go into a little bit more details here. I'm not gonna do it in this video, uh, maybe a future video, I might come back and try it. But this is also pretty cool where you can actually have, you know, the Pi boot up with nothing connected at all except the network cable. And then it will actually go out to your network and ask and say, hey, I'm booting up, does anyone have an operating system I can use? And there's a special way this uh, process, I think it's like TFTP and PXE and all these different kind of protocols where it can boot off of that. So some cool stuff there. Um, oh, quick little question too. What's the life of the USB stick? You know, would booting off of it make it fail quickly? Yep. Uh, you know, again, flash memory doesn't live forever. Um, so 
Uh, same exact problem as with SD cards though. So these things have a finite number of reads and writes. There's wear leveling and stuff built into them. The nice option is if you can boot from USB, you don't have to boot from a flash stick. You can boot from a normal hard drive, you know, magnetic spinning disks. Slower potentially, but a little more well-known as far as lifetimes. You could boot from an SSD, like a really fancy, super fast, you know, fancy SSD. But again, remember, it's only USB 2, so it's not going to be that fast. Uh, but like SSDs sometimes use different flash technology that might have better, you know, better lifetimes. Or if in the future, you know, we've got like quantum memory, as long as they've got a USB quantum memory stick, uh, you know, you could probably boot your Pi off of it. So that could be an option for that. So uh, anyways, I'll, I'll wrap up the stream then. So uh, thanks a lot for watching and subscribe to youtube.com slash Adafruit. You can see this video and all kinds of other fun project videos there. Uh, and then check out twitch.tv slash Adafruit where I like to do a lot of live streams like this. I like to do a live stream on Mondays where I quick look at some interesting Raspberry Pi stuff. And then Fridays, I do a little more in-depth stream. Uh, this week, the, the live stream was more like uh, late Saturday, early Sunday, just because it took a little bit longer to finish it. And also we had a Friday uh, maker to market that I didn't want to go uh, compete against basically. So, uh, but generally Mondays and Fridays, I'll do streams. Um, this Friday, I hope to have a stream, but midway through the week, I have jury duty. So. Who knows, it could be a live stream from in the courtroom, which would not be allowed, so I couldn't do that. So, so we'll, we'll see what happens this week, uh, but I am looking at starting a MicroPython-related series. So not so much Raspberry Pi-related, but I wanna start exploring MicroPython, so keep your eyes peeled for some of that stuff. Uh, and then otherwise, like, comment, subscribe, let us know that this is useful info, and we'll keep kind of creating content like this. So until then, this is Tony from Adafruit, and I'll see you guys later.